This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Brojo Online and a rather special uh, interest episode for us today. I was speaking to a good buddy of mine, John Cooper, uh, founder of Art of Social and the social artistry philosophy surrounding that. And not only is he a, a dating coach or a, what you might call like a, a social coach, he's also a very outspoken philosopher and commentator on the whole pickup artist scene and the author of the book Game Over, which is all about leaving the pickup artist scene for a healthier version of socializing. And John and I, oh, we've known each other a few years now and we we have all sorts of things that we both agree and disagree on quite heartily. So, honoured to have you on the show, mate. Welcome aboard. Thanks, man. That was actually a really good intro. Thank you. <laughs> Better intro than I give myself, so you actually know me fairly well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we, we've shared a lot of stuff, man, and we've been talking about the whole pickup artist, social coaching scene, uh, everything that's mm. been going on in there for quite some time, and... Yeah, a lot of our audience are either into pickup, uh, leaving pickup, on the border of considering it, all sorts of stuff. So today we're going to be looking at John's backstory, his his own experience with that industry and outside of that industry, and we'll just kind of see where it goes. Why don't we start from the beginning, man? Like, tell us a little bit about like the start for you when it comes to you know, actively working on yourself socially and that kind of thing. Where did this all begin for you? Oh, that part. Okay, so when, when did I start to really work on myself? It, it came straight after um, the love of my life dumped me. And uh, I actually, that that took me, that actually took me three and a half years to get over her, actually. And that, only really looking back, I realized that's how long it took. But um, I would say that the, the, the weeks just coming after that breakup, um, I was crying myself to sleep for about three weeks, every night for about three weeks. It really hit me hard. Mm. And um, it took my friend to say to me, he was coming around and bringing me Nando's in bed. <laughs> it, was like, mm-hmm. it was like the movie uh, Swingers, if you've ever seen it, where uh, Mikey's, uh, you know, his friend, Vince, you know, Vince mm. Vaughn, the actor, he was, he's the best friend, and he's, come, he's trying to pick him up and saying, come on, your money, baby, your money. You know, mm-hmm. and he's trying to take him to Las Vegas and trying to get him out of that, that black hole. My friend's do that for me and they were kind of say come on John you know come on John you're an intelligent guy try and turn a negative into a positive here and uh, at that point I um, you know I, I read the game and um, for anyone that's I think your audience will know what that book's about mm-hmm. um, teaching men how to pick up any girl anytime any place use this foolproof method so I fell for that book and um, I read like most guys do I read the first half of that book like a manual and I forgot to read the second half of the book, which was more about like how to get the girl, you need to stop doing all this shit. Mm. Um, so I read that first half and I, I got, I just got caught into it. And I didn't realize at the time it was actually come from a lot of pain. So it was an outgrowth, the pickup um, methodologies and the pickup industry was an outgrowth of that unhealed pain, the sort of the heartache, the abandonment. And uh, I didn't, didn't see that at the time. So I was unconscious to that. So I was quickly going out with my wingmen, and yeah, we were, I would say, we were developing ourselves in the sense that we were being very courageous and bold, and we were taking risks, and we were approaching hundreds of girls, and um, there's, a lot to be, there's a lot to be said for that, you know, there's a lot you can learn from that. Um, there's a bit of camaraderie, 
um, from the book, the game, it also talked about shit cracks and it was teaching about, you know, developing, developing yourselves in other areas. So, I mean, <laughs> like the loser I was, I did a palm reading course, I did an mm. NLP course, I did a cold reading course, you know, I just went a bit weird with it, shall we say. Um, but at the same time, you know, that, you know, I did learn some things from that and um, I felt like I was on this trajectory of self-development. So at that point, I'm thinking, well, you know, if I can't have the girl of my dreams, what I can have is, you know, developing myself. I was more conscious about what I was wearing. Uh, I was, you know, going to the gym more. So I was thinking, you know, this is a good thing. This has actually helped me. Uh, this, this breakup's actually helped me to become a, a, a better man through this. But what I didn't realize, and this is, the, this is the trap that a lot of guys fall into, they think that um, the way to actualize their sex life and their love life is to um, use the pickup industry to do it. And I thought that. I thought, well, these are the guys teaching people how to be better with women. Therefore, this has to be the place that I go to. This has to be the supermarket that I go to. But what I didn't realize at the time was actually it's, it's like walking into a church. There's a, there, there's a certain belief system. There's a certain dogma. There's a certain set of codes and, and ethics. Well, there's not no, we say no ethics, but there's a certain sort of doctrine to it. And you have to follow that doctrine. There's a certain language to it. There's a certain uniformity, a certain conformity. There's a worshipping of, of gods. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like the pickup industry coaches. You know, it's basically a cult. And um, I walked into that cult and I didn't see it objectively. And uh, like most guys that fall into that pickup industry trap, I thought, well, this is the place that I have to go to to find success with women. And it was only after those, I would say, on and off, I had waves of coming out of it and going back into it, but it took me about three and a half years. And I suddenly had a big realization when I actually healed my own heart. And I'm using that term fairly figuratively here. Um, I, you know, I came to terms with the pain, shall we say. And when I came more into a sense of self and I embodied myself a little bit more and I kind of healed the abandonment issue that I was going through, I actually then looked back with fresh eyes on the industry all my actions and behaviours and the, the company I was with at the time and stuff like that. And I realised that it was all coming from pain. It was all coming from an abandonment issue. And um, once I healed my heart, I actually started to break away from that whole mentality. And that's when I um, created my own philosophy, if you like, called social heartistry. And that was about being able to do that heart healing on yourself, to be able to do that sort of loving work, to re-embody yourself and actually see interactions of women uh, relationships and sex in a totally different way. So instead of it being about seeking results, going out there chasing girls, hunting girls, approaching girls, only feeling like you've got success if you've got a clone, you know, you've got closure. This was about enjoying enjoying being with women again. You know, learning to um, you know see sex just at the moment where you penetrate her, but you know, as a ritual, wrapping around the the, the sexual um, intercourse. You know, so maybe from the moment you meet her. Uh, that's when sex could start. So it's more about redefining how you show up with women. And so I called this social heartistry, and it's a new badge of honor for a lot of guys. That's, that was the reason for calling it that, was to maybe show guys that, like, hey, I don't want to be a pickup artist. I want to be a social artist to encourage them to maybe see a different way to go about things. You know? And so I did that for about three years. I broke away from a company that I was with, which was a pickup company, and I started, I, I went solo. I wrote a book called Game Over, which you mentioned which is my response to the game. And um, since then, yeah, since then I've developed a little bit of a, uh, a following. A lot of people have sort of taken um, what I've said and developed it in their own way. And um, that's where I'm at the moment. I'm still coaching a lot of guys. I take them um, abroad and people come and visit me and um, the philosophy is still going strong.
<laughs> so that's, and that's where I'm at, at, up to at the moment. Well, that's a pretty uh, comprehensive overview, which is good. There's so many. I've been writing notes while you've been talking. There's so many bits, uh, threads in there that I want to pull on. And we'll kind of start from the start, I guess. Because mm-hmm. one of the first things I want to look at is uh, the pain. You you yeah. mentioned that uh, part of your transition out of pickup was to deal with the pain that took you in there in the first place. And that uh, that's a pain that I resonate with very well. There was it was something that I saw a lot of also when I had my pickup phase in the other people who were doing it. There wasn't many people doing it in New Zealand. Um, I, I used to pride myself on being the only guy like chatting up women on the streets, you know. Um, but I was online a lot, talking to guys in forums and stuff. And there was a pain in there that I saw that still occurs a lot today and still rampant today. And that's why the industry still flourishes, I think. From your point of view, what is that pain? So the, yeah, the, the work that I do is I talk about how that, the actions that these pickup artists are taking with women comes from the same pain that we we have in childhood when we go through an abandonment issue with our uh, family, our parents. That's that's that. It's the, for me. It's the same sort of energetic signature that we have when, let's say, we're crying for our mum and she doesn't. She's not there in that moment, and we have that abandonment issue, um, and we take that on into adulthood with us, and uh, we we just re- we just displace that incident with the mum with, with like chasing a girl on the street, for instance, or needing a girlfriend to make us feel better. It's a sort of a lacking of, you could say it's almost like a, we're lacking the feminine within, so we're kind of seeking it without, if you know what I mean. So we're still, we're looking for that woman to be the, the nurturing, the, the safety blanket for us. And then once we get that girl, once we get sex, then we're going to feel okay, we're going to feel loved and accepted. And that all comes from, I believe, early on in childhood. It could even come from before that, it could even... It could even come from, you know, if you want to go really woo-woo with it, like even before that, you know, people talk about past lives, you know, I don't quite go there, but um, but I do believe that it comes from early on and we never quite, at a very young age, we're unable to deal with that pain. We don't have the tools and the, and the, um, the utility to be able to deal with it. So we actually bury that pain and we take it on into adulthood and it kind of re-emerges itself at, at various points. And um, through that through that pain, we we often take the unconscious route, which is to sort of chase the externals. What I'm trying to teach guys to do is actually go into that pain and to be and to give it loving acceptance and to, and to re-embody yourself that way. And by doing that, you tend to then show up with people differently, you know, not coming from that beg energy of needing to get something, but rather coming from a place where you just want to share yourself. So, yeah, that, that's, that's where I think it comes from. Yeah, this is something that I really want us to explore because... What I see, like, uh, I see this in Brojo community, I've, I've seen it so much in the pickup artist community, is uh, one of the reasons that these guys have to learn so many complicated techniques and scripts and everything to work with women is because it takes a lot to mask that pain, which undermines all their efforts anyway. That neediness um, is the reason that they've been struggling with women their whole lives. But, you know, one of the things I, I saw there was kind of, I'd say, three types of people in pickup when I was there. I was one of these types. And the first type is like the nice guy, people pleaser, woman worshipper type. That was me. I looked up to women. They were goddesses, complex, terrifying, intimidating beasts. 
And then there was like the the strain of guys who were much more misogynistic. They looked down on women. They were just walking vaginas to be used. They were resentful towards women. Women are the cause of all problems in the world. And then the third type of guy was somebody who fluctuates between the first two. You know, they, they're a mixture of both. What are your thoughts on that idea? Well, the idea that those two, you think there's two, two categories of guys. Yeah. In pickup, just generally, in, in would you say, in society? Well, probably in society. Pickup, this is just what I saw in pickup, but uh, I'm starting to just, see it yeah. all over the place now. Okay, well, let's just stick to the pickup. Because I, I would say that outside of the industry, there are there are people that are kind of in their, in their mature masculine, shall we say. Mm-hmm. But you don't really get that in the pickup industry. You definitely get a lot of the nice guys go, getting into it. And you mentioned like they they look up to these women as as goddesses. Um, I actually do. I actually promote that. I, I I say you should you should see women as goddesses as long as you see yourself as a god. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, part part of part of tantra, and uh, we can come on to that a bit later. Is one one of the um, the mantras in, in tantra is to is to worship the woman as a goddess. So every touch, the way you look at her, the way you t- the way you stroke her, the way you... That's all coming from intention of seeing her as a goddess. So your touch comes... The way that you touch it comes out like that. So that's what you focus on in Tantra. And I think that's okay as long as you don't see yourself as a pauper, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, and you're supplicating to her in, in that way. If you see yourself as a god and her as a goddess, then that then that's the... Uh, then you're, lo- you're looking eye to eye then. Um, if you're constantly looking up and feeling intimidated, then that's where you've got a problem. Because then you, then you, all your actions are going to be trying to supplicate her into bed, or you know, just trying to wear her down with nice guy um, acts, and that's obviously, you know, you can talk. I mean, you, you, you know that better than me. That's your, that's your forte, isn't it? We know that that doesn't work. We know that that's just, um, that's because he's basically cut his own balls off, and he's, uh, he's afraid to show his eyes. So, um, and then you have the other guys like you mentioned. You have the, the, um, the hardcore guys. They just basically hate women. Their their actions are just they just they just see women as bitches. They just try and get past bitch shields and using last minute res, trying to get last minute resistance. And um, you know, and I've worked with some of these people, and they're just like, "Did you bang her? Did you fuck her? Did you, you know, did you?" Uh, it's almost like, "Did you get her? Did you get her back? Did you did you get your revenge?" Mm. It's almost like you can feel like that's the real that's the real subtext with what they're saying there. You know, if they came home and they didn't have sex, it's almost like they felt defeated by these women. It's almost like the enemy won that one, you know. It's like you know, t- tomorrow we go into another battle with them, and hopefully, we get, you know, we we get one up on them. And that that that's basically what a lot of the I would say, I would say a lot of the people in the pickup industry were like, especially the coaches. Um, there's a certain there's a of resentment there for, for women, and again, I think that harks back to that harks back to um, to childhood abandonment issue with the mum or the dad. Notice there was a high correlation between. Um, and also your audience listening to this, now, I don't want to sound all Freudian here, but like, what was your relationship like with your mum or your dad? Because mm-hmm. I would say that I noticed, this was just something that I noticed, that a lot of these pickup coaches, they had an aban- abandonment with their father. And mm-hmm. this was just for me startling when I started to like talk to a lot of these coaches. If you, if you talk to them and you say, what, what was it like with your, your dad? Was dad around in childhood? Go and ask them. They, they'll, they'll say, I didn't have a father in childhood. He went missing, or you know, he, he we, they divorced, didn't see him, or died, or and you'll see there's a startling correlation between that and and people that become pickup coaches. There's a missing father, 
And, you know, it could also be there's a missing mother as well. But for me, the research that I've done is there's a missing father. And I, and I believe that that has a knock-on effect. And um, it, it's almost like you lacking that father in an important uh, stage of your development has that effect going through adulthood. Maybe it has an effect on your ability to have boundaries. No one's keeping a tab on your boundaries then you're unable to observe and appreciate other people's boundaries. And that's why a lot of these pick-up artists, they're just all about like getting into women and just like, you know, doing whatever they can to get in her knickers, but they don't observe their boundaries, you know. So I think that there's definitely a, a correlation between that as well. And I, I think they're very unconscious to all that. And to them, it's just about like when they girls, then they feel good. That's why like I challenge the whole game paradigm, because I believe it's not really helping them in the long run. It's actually taking them further away from from what the, from the real uh, help they need, you know? So, yeah, so going back, so that I would say, yes, that you have the, mis- the misogynistic guys, and then I think you have the guys that actually graduate, and I think they, they see it uh, for what it is. They learn how to feel comfortable with women because they feel comfortable with themselves, and that's the, that's the ultimate form of mastery for me, is feeling comfortable in your own skin, that you don't have to use any techniques. You just feel really good in yourself. You're able to show up with women, and you're okay if they don't, if, if they're not interested in you, you know, because you have such a high self-esteem that you know it's like, you know, there's other women out there who are going to connect with another girl at some point. You don't have to force anything. And that's for me, is like an, the integrated masculine. And I think at that point, that's when a lot of guys, they come, they, they, uh, they come out of game or they come, they're on that, they're on the sort of threshold and they come to me or you, Dan, and then, you know, they make that full exit. They make the full escape, you know, and, and then they, they rejoin society as a fully functioning man again. But uh, yeah, I think I think those I, I think that's fair. I think it's a fair breakdown of, of the, the pickup guys. Yeah, I'm definitely going to come back to you on that integrated masculine. I really want to hear what your transition was like, what it was like to be you as you left or graduated, as you say. I want I want to stick with the pain thing a little bit more because recently, some guys uh, within Brojo community and outside have like shown me where the current communities that I believe are in this pain. Uh, kind of come together mm. there's a couple one is the, the guys who call themselves red pill or red pill theory then we've got this thing of uh men going their own way that's another thing yeah and then this more extreme group uh, called incels uh which are like involuntarily celibate or something so guys who mm. basically say the reason i'm not having sex is because women are nasty to me well this this whole like I've been, I decided like, look, I'm going to get to know the other side, you know, and I, I've watched the videos on YouTube and I read the posts and stuff like, what are these, what are these people trying to say? And there's a theme coming through basically that not only are women significantly different to men, but they're so different. They're like another species and you have to treat them as such. Like, uh, there's a lot of stuff from Red Pill that justifies game by saying, look, there's no other way to interact with a woman. This is the only way we must dominate them. We must uh, manipulate and control them. Because if we don't, they're going to do it to us and we'll get hurt. That's a kind of theme coming strongly through Red Pill. And they use like kind of, uh, what would you say, I guess buffet style choice pieces of evolutionary psychology and biology to justify this view. It's by no means um, scientifically valid, but they find choice pieces that back up a point here and there. What are your what are your thoughts on this? I guess the general principle that comes out of that pain, whether you're a nice guy um, looking up at women, or, or a misogynist looking down on them, this idea that women are this different species that require a different form of interaction, 
uh, that we'll never really understand them, but we don't need to, we just need to control them. What are your thoughts on that whole perspective? Um, well, I'm going back to the, uh, so you've got the, you mentioned the red, the red pill community, right? Mm. I mean, are you, you're talking, I know that there's, there's two separate red pill communities. There's one which is about, they talk about the red pill as in like true, truth seeking and, um, exposing the lies of sort of left wing narratives. That's sort of red, red, red pill in that sense. Mm. But there's also, you have like the Reddit, I you're talking about it's the Reddit red pill. They've got a Reddit yeah. section called red pill. On the website Reddit, and that they talk more about hardcore game material, and it's sort of people like Root and people like uh, that. Is that? I think that's what you're referring to. Absolutely, like it's it's this gigantic yeah. Reddit community. They go under the banner of Red Pill, right. but I think they're separate from that other right. Red Pill yeah. thing. It's separate to the other. It's a shame, really, because I quite like the Red Pill community that talk that goes after sort of feminism and mm-hmm. uh, you know talks about. Um, you know some of the some of the lies that come through left wing media that I quite like that, but the the Reddit red pill is pretty toxic, say, and um, it's sort of like you say it's it's not just seeing women as a different species, it's it's seeing them as the enemy, like I mentioned before, and it's like we have to we have to it's like a preemptive strike on them because if we don't, then they're going to have a strike on us almost, and um, you get like a kind of a perversion of the pickup material in its most militaristic and uh, aggressive form. And it comes in through that red pill, and you, or there's another called um, "We Are Kings" or something like that, I think, so called, which is similar. So you have that, yeah, and you have the you have MGTOWs, which are just they're basically just totally they've given up on women completely. And incels is a new one to me. I, don't, I mean, you'll you'll probably have to tell me a little bit more about incels because I don't well, they, involuntary. Yeah, they only just came into the news recently because I think it was actually in the UK. Some dude drove his van into a group of women, and he he had earlier made videos basically claiming to be one of these incel. I think it's a very small extremist group. But basically, what what I liked to, liked, what I think is significant about this group is the representation of a belief that guys are not having sex because women maliciously withhold it from them, that the guy is not to blame for this lack. And this guy driving his van into a group of women, while he was obviously an extremely disturbed person, he's just doing what the rest of the guys in this group feel like doing, it seems. Which is the... But did he... I think I know, I know talking about the guy, because he's sat in his car and he's doing a, he's doing a selfie video, right? And um, Something like that. I, wasn't I don't think... Yeah, totally, but he, he didn't call himself an incel, did he? I thought he did. I wasn't quite sure on what the whole oh, story really? was. But this well, is how I the incel... Was, I think what... Yeah. Right. Because I, I, I got the impression that um, the term incel just came from women or feminists and they're basically trying, it's, it's like a, a word that they're using to sort of demonise and collectivise those types of men, for instance. I don't know, I don't know, if, like, I, I'm not sure if that's something that they positively call themselves incels because I can't imagine any guy would want to give themselves the badge of honour of calling themselves an involuntary celibate, you know. I'm not sure if there's anyone that would call themselves that. I think it's a little bit like the term alt-right. I think people don't call themselves alt-right. I think it's just a term that uh, people on the far left call anyone that disagrees with them. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not sure. I'll look look that one up because I I got the impression that they, as a group that named themselves there, but... Possibly, yeah, maybe. Sort of putting that aside, let's let's look at the the thinking behind the group, which again is in that Red Pill, Reddit, like huge communities. Hundreds of thousands of guys are into this Red Pill, Reddit thing. 
and men yeah. going their own way that's kind of like all right women are too hard fuck it that's kind yeah. of yeah what is like you know what tell you what what is your yeah. transition from yeah. somebody who was like myself was yeah. into the pickup mindset view of women and yeah. you've obviously changed the way you see women tell us a bit about that change yeah, I think that's probably easier for me to do, just to talk about my own um, mm, mm. journey, and then maybe we can plug, maybe we can plug some of that to it. So, okay, let's try and think, think about a, a certain milestone moments that happened to me. So, whilst I was still in pain, I'd say I joined up with a, an organisation um, who were a pickup company, and I went with them because I thought that they were kind of, I thought they had kind of matured in their ways of doing things. They, I thought they were in their integrated masculine, so I kind of joined up with them. But then when we'd sort of take take groups of people out, there would still be that like boot camp feel to it. And it was almost like, you know, lock in set, go and approach her, you know, and it's, it still felt like it still felt like pickup to me. And I remember as I started to integrate that pain, you know, there was there's a certain points I can I can go back to that were kind of quite keystone for me. And one was when I met Ivana uh, in Serbia. And I remember there was just, I'd completely let go of the need to, to force anything with her. And I remember just feeling so, so, so just fulfilled in that moment. I didn't need anything from her. I didn't need anything from anything in that moment. A place of completely just sharing and freedom. And really, I just didn't care if she was interested in me or not, but I really wanted her, you know? And mm. it was at that point where, like, penny dropped for me. And we spent a whole week together after that, and we connected on many different levels. And, and then... Then suddenly when I went back to the group and they were all coming back up to me, they're all like sweat glistening off their brows, you know, furrowed brows. And like, yeah, man, I just approached the target and I just, you know, I'm like, whoa, geez, what's going on here? You know, and the co- and, you know, I would do a talk to the guys and say, guys, I think we need to stop approaching. We need to start inviting. We need to stop seeing women as the enemy. We need to stop seeing things as separation. We need to start just flowing and just being unconditional and just feeling good in ourselves and radiating that outwards. And, you know, I want you to drop all the language. I don't want you to use the word approach. I don't want you to use the word target. I don't, you know, and I just basically gave them a whole detox of, of language and mindset and all this sort of stuff. And um, I remember, like, the, the guys that I was working with at the time, they were watching me do this talk. And then as soon as that talk finished, they took them out in the streets and they went, right, guys, I want you to approach that target over there and lock in with that girl. And I was like, gee, they just <laughs> went in one ear and came out the other. And that's when I realized that, you know, I'd sort of outgrown that company a little bit. And um, I realized it was time to go solo. Basically, there was some bad blood there with that company because I was feeling I was being quite marginalized. I wasn't being allowed to speak to the students after that, uh, to the point where I was getting introduced to the, the students. As, uh, this is John. He's the dance floor guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's got a tape on the pickup industry. You know, he's, uh, he's got a book game over in, in, in the pipeline. He's got some ideas. It's like... Here's John Cooper, the club guy. <laughs> so you know, it was almost like you know, keeping me relegated to the to just just the, just the night the nightclubs, and they get their theory was the one that was pinnacle, and that pissed me off to the point where you know I left the company and I decided to develop my own project, and um, you know, which is where we came onto a social heart street, and it for me that was one big milestone moment is realizing it's not what you can, it's just about feeling good and being able to share yourself with women and still take action but in the same way that I see it like a dance so in a dance the man still takes the lead but there's no end destination with the dance and that's kind of like that's a metaphor for what I'm teaching with guys it's like 
you still take the lead with women, but at the same time, it doesn't have to end up anywhere specifically for you to feel good. You're nourished in every moment, like you're enjoying the process. You're still enjoying the eye contact, the flirting, the connection, all of that with women. And that's your, that's your source of, that's your reward, you know? So that's where it was a little reframe on, on, on all that. And I don't know how I'm going to tie all this into the other guys, to be honest, because I still think that the, all those Reddit guys and, and the red pill guys, they're still, they're still seeing women as, as the enemy. And so what happens is you have, you have a standoff between men and women. You have, you have these, you have, well, you have women putting up stronger boundaries and barriers because they're trying to keep these, they're trying to keep these guys out, you know, and then you have, of the, the Reddit guys, these red pill guys, they're using counter strategies to to get past those those that resistance and those barriers. So they're sort of it's like a it's like a it's a game of attrition here. You know, it's sort of like barrier goes up, come back to the team. Right, how do we get past that barrier? We need to, we need to use this strategy to overcome that. And then women are thinking we need to put up stronger barriers. It basically creates a, a standoff between men and women. And for me, what it takes is to Show up with women in a place where you clearly show that you're in your um, your integrated masculine, your sort of your your mature masculine, and that way that women start to feel comfortable and they'll open up to you, rather than coming from this place of trying to use even stronger strategies and outmaneuver even more. That's just going to put up more defences. So I can understand that power that they're coming from because they're coming from frustration, lack of sex, uh, lack of connection, lack of touch. A lack of sensuality, they start to f- grow this sense of frustration and resentment, and then they see women as these things that are holding back their sense of fulfilment. So they go, "Yeah, these girls are bitches. We need to get, we need to get them back." And so they have to develop their own, almost like a chess, like a, a master chess move to to get past them, you know, get to them. So that's why um, I can understand where they're coming from, but really, need to do this properly is to reach a point where you can develop the emotional intelligence, you can understand boundaries with yourself, with women, um, you can show your desire um, in a way that's not creepy, it's not, it's not done in a way which um, is just about you getting what a notch on the bedpost. You're showing that, like, you're showing your desire in a way that she can feel the strength of you and the power of you in a sense that you, you're not a little boy anymore. You're not a little boy that needs to just get his little hit and run off and, and, and high-five his friends. You're someone that really appreciates women. You understand women. You love women. You care about women. At the same time, you can take her on this amazing sexual journey and she's going to really enjoy it. She can really open to it at the same time. You know? And women are dying. Let me tell you, women are dying for these types of men. I've just come mm. back from a tantra uh, retreat that I do. So I do these like tantric workshops it's called tantric dating masterclass i have 15 men 15 women and the 15 women that turn up are saying where are the men where are these men that are able to come and just lead us with by the hand and take us to the bedroom basically and saying that the men don't do that because the only guys that do sharp with them are these sort of pickup guys who are like very creepy and using strategies and they're saying you can smell it straight away and they're saying they're like little boys. We we just you know we we just we have to bat them off, you know. Mm-hmm. But they're saying we just want someone who's just got a little bit of emotional intelligence, who who's, who knows himself, who's understanding, who, who's care, appreciates boundaries, but who can still lead us decisively, and and you know be be the guy that's sort of like the, the prince on the on the not like the like the knight on the horse who can lead us off, you know. They're mm-hmm. waiting for that, but unfortunately, men are stuck in the, in this stall between 
nice guy like or not taking action should we say MGTOW not taking action with you know giving up on women uh, between that and women are all bitches we have to get past her with our defense you know get her defenses all that kind of stuff whereas really if you just show up as a man who kind of understands women understands boundaries can still express your desire can still lead that's it we're dying for that you know but unfortunately men men aren't aren't able to reach that place at the moment you know not well some should we say you know you actually you bring up a point that I'll, um, I think is really interesting about the guys who kind of graduate out of this. And I've seen this happen from both of those two like archetypes, the misogynist and the nice guy. I've seen them both graduate to a more sort of like you'd call it integrated masculine. They let go of whatever the, the kind of shitty part is and the strengths come out. You know what I think, and this is just hypothesis more than anything, the ones who stay in or who are never in but they're, they're that kind of mindset probably never have a great healthy experience with a woman that kind of opens their mind to the possibility like you and i we both did you mentioned that girl that you had an experience with and it was an insightful mind-bending experience i had a range of them i lived with girls as flatmates who were very attractive but there was no chance of anything and because i lived with them eventually my act broke down and i was just myself around them and they were themselves around me, and I saw them as, like, fellow humans. It was a real mind fuck for me. Like, holy shit, they're not an enemy. Like, their shit smells like mine does. They have problems with dating like I do. They're lazy like I am. Like, holy shit, we're, this, we're, we're just, you know, primates, you know? And it, it broke down this kind of yeah. barrier, this goddess worship. Like I say, I, I kind of agree with the goddess thing you're saying, as long as you see yourself as the god, too, you know? Um, but when it's goddess and pauper, which is what I was really referring to, that's when it gets unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm, what I'm seeing here is that because, let's we'll call it like a red pill guy or a pickup guy, is always approaching women as the enemy, he's always getting reactions that simply, it's like a um, confirmation bias. It just confirms what he already suspected. Women will act bitchy to him. They will be complicated and emotionally unstable around him, or he'll only find women who are genuinely generally like that and it kind of he never gets counter evidence to his belief he never meets a woman that shatters that um that very strict limiting view that he has i'm not sure where i'm going with that but it's just it's a realization no, I right. have. no you're right mm. no you're dan you're you're, you're you're bang right there i mean that it's confirmation bias it all it does is confirm that women are bitches and they are withholding from them and uh you know why are we bothering and you know all that kind of stuff and it basically, it, it, it's because they're, they're, they're looking through, yeah, it, it's the lens through which they're looking at women. At, and they're, they're, their lens is conflict. So basically, because they're seeing women as the, as the enemy, it's holding, holding back all the pleasures from them. They're seeing that they're going into their actions from a place of conflict already. And when they're, when they're in that state of conflict, so when you're in a state of conflict with others, what's, what's really happening is in, you're in conflict self mm-hmm. so basically that's going back to what i mentioned before about how there's there's unresolved emotional pain that's buried on a cellular level there's sort of buried like heartache abandonment issues that you've had that goes back in childhood back with the let's say the mum or the father and you're going out into the social world and you're trying to let's say okay so the way i try to describe it let's put it this way so imagine this so you're in childhood and you come into the world and your heart's full it's your heart's open Everything's blissful, everything's fine. And then at one point, you reach out, you want your mum and she's not there, let's say. 
And in that moment, there's an enormous amount of pain and lack because you're wanting to be in your mom's and she's not there, for instance. And so what happens is there's this feeling of lack, this pain comes into the body and you're on, and it's so confusing and it's so uh, abstract and you don't know how to deal with it. And so you could almost imagine it's sort of like that's when the first break of the heart comes in. And on that pain, as children, we're very intuitively clever and we're able to find ways of masking over that pain. So we'll find counter mechanisms, coping mechanisms, such as, you know, having Blanky, Mr. Blanky, or sucking on our thumb or screaming for attention or whatever it is, you know, being quite pedantic or, you know, like just developing our neurosis at that point, you know, our kind of behaviors at that point. And we take those into adulthood. So we might give up the dummies and the blanket, but we might then transition that into, we replace that with cigarettes, alcohol, masturbation, you know, needing, I don't know, eat loads to, to feel comforted and blanketed. And unfortunately, that's, it still comes from that unresolved pain, that kind of splintered heart, you could say, that fractured heart that we weren't able to address at a very young age. So if you can imagine that heart, it's like, imagine you've got a heart, imagine the image of a heart, and almost like a kind of a lightning bolt comes and that's the pain that comes in, mm. and it fracked the heart open. So imagine this heart breaking open into two halves, okay? So if you're looking through that, that broken heart, let's say, and you've and it's splintered, it's splintered into these two halves, and that is your projection out into the social world. So now when you see women around you, you're seeing things as fragmented, you're seeing things as separate. So you're one half, she's the other half, and there's this huge chasm in between you and her. And so it's like... You need to get her to be able to bring that heart together. So you're seeing things as needing to be healed in the outside world. So you're now running around trying to chase these women, trying to get these women. And then once you get them, in your mind, you're thinking, that's what's going to make me feel whole. That's what's going to make me feel good. It's the same thing as addicts. They go around looking for drugs because then when they get their hit, like, oh, I feel good now. But then, of course, after an hour, a day, a week, they're like, I need, I need my next hit. So they're coming from what I call Pac-Man. And Pac-Man always needs his next hit. And then when he gets it, his mouth shuts, but then it opens again. And he's like, he needs another hit, and he needs another hit. That's basically what's happening. Because their hearts have been splintered, been fractured, and they're coming, they're projecting from that place. So imagine you're projecting onto a wall, and you've got this, uh, this image, and it's projecting from the projector. And you see the movie screen, and it's like split into two halves. And, and instead of actually addressing the movie, the uh, movie projector, the glass on the movie projector, and try to bring that into wholeness, what what do we do? We go up to the movie screen and we start scratching at the movie screen, and we're trying to change the movie screen, and it's impossible because actually it all comes from the movie projector. It all comes from us. It all comes from subjectively our own hearts and what's going on for us. And so that's that's basically what we need to be doing. We need to be addressing ourselves and bringing our hearts more into wholeness, and then from that place correspondingly the social world changes the way that we see women changes instead of approaching women and going into conflict with women we can just interact with them we can just we can just flow with them you see all that language using approaching that word is coming from that feeling of separation that's that fracture because it's almost like i'm here she's there i need to make this bridge between me and her this huge chasm and then i'm going to bring that into wholeness um, you know, all the all the militaristic uh, words that use like disarm, bit shield, target, it's all coming from that feeling of that, that sense of conflict. Because you see these guys, they are in a state of fight or flight around women. Mm. Because effectively, if they're un- to get that thing for women in that moment when they approach them, they cold approach them with their wingmen, 
then they, they have to go back to that feeling of brokenheartedness. They don't want that. So that's why they're using the, it's almost like for them, it's almost like it is going to war, that it is going to conflict. It is like seeing women as the enemy because that is where they're objecting from. It's coming from that pain. It's coming from that unresolved pain. Oh, I think you're bang on. And this is, it's a, it's a concept that's so hard to explain to someone who's deep in it. You know, I used to, one of the things that helped me get out of pickup essentially was I suddenly asked myself the question, why am I afraid of women? And before that question had always been automatically answered in my head because they reject me and it hurts and, you know, that kind of thing. But then I really asked it again. I was like, well, why does the rejection hurt? Like, none of them have ever kicked me in the balls or stabbed me or anything. Why am I scared of it happening? Like, where where is this actual fear coming from? And this is, okay, so this brings me to a dilemma that I've had in, in our line of work, uh, which I think is going to lead us to, to, you know, I'd like to hear of your inside scoop on what you know about the guys in the industry here. I'll be talking to a guy, and I'm, I'm trying to get this across to him. I'm like, look, the only reason you had problems with women is because of how you see them, not because of how they are. And I'm trying to have this conversation, and they... They don't hear me because there's no counter-evidence. They've never had a good connection with a woman, so on. And then they look at, say, and I'll use a company's name here, Real Social Dynamics, right? RSD. Very, very popular pickup company. And they're what I'd be calling a fringe pickup company because these days they're very big on kind of being... I guess you call it self-actualized. Uh, half of their videos aren't even about dating. They're about like working on yourself and becoming a confident man and that kind of thing. And they seem, these guys, and I've got no reason to doubt it, these guys seem to be pretty happy with who they are, like at a deep level. And so it's very hard for me to convince a guy who's seen that, that these guys uh, may not have the answer, that these guys still at the end of the day are all about using women to make themselves feel good to some extent. That kind of thing. So it's very hard for me to disprove that because you look at these guys, they seem to have it all together. Um, they're talking about a lot of the same stuff that we talk about at Brojo, but they just got this little edge of, like, still you need to control women. Exactly. What yeah, are your thoughts on all that, man? I know. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I don't really want to call in the companies out, but I think sometimes you body a little bit. Um I'll answer firstly by saying, Dan, did you know McDonald's do salads now? <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Do you know what I'm getting at? Like, you, that you still says it perfectly. Yeah. Right. So that's the way that I'd answer that with RSD is that um, they're now, you know, with any industry, it, go, it evolves, right? So basically, it started off very mechanical and um, you know the mystery method stuff of like you know everything's like an, an algorithm to. Um, sleep with a girl, you know, mm. um, and then it goes through certain certain trends, shall we say, went into like direct game and natural, well, they call it natural game, but it's still game, um, and then people are talking more about meditation and, you know, sort of more self-improvement, self-development, that kind of thing, and what these big companies do, like any big company, what they do is they see what the latest trends are, and then they, they take that on as well, and they start to teach that as well, so they're always on the crest of the wave with the trends, you know, they probably have teams of people that are looking at other. I know they take they've taken stuff from me in the past. So they've taken chunks out of my book and and done, made videos about it almost verbatim. You know, so what they do is, and that was even you know, that one very very quickly. All perceived to be the ones that are like on the pulse of what's going on today. Hmm. But the pr- the problem with these companies is that they teach, they purport to teach 
let's call it spiritual concepts or, you know, kind of more advanced and more uh, mature and more kind of um, far-reaching concepts beyond just the pickup stuff. But really, when you boil it down, it's just like, guys, we need to meditate. We need to kind of like, we need, we need to address ourselves in order to get laid. Mm-hmm. And it won't detach from that in order to dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Because they're basically still, they're just pickup companies that are using spiritual concepts as a, as a kind of a, a front. They're window dressing themselves with spirituality, spiritual concepts. But deep down, they're trying to sell these guys how to get laid. So it's what I call spiritual materialism. You know, they're basically bringing these guys, they're trying to show these guys that, oh, and I, I have a lot of people that I know, a lot of my um, friends, Facebook friends, they've come from that route. And I've met these guys and they've been following these guys and they've maybe gone to some of their boot camps. And there is something really, really strange about these people. And um, they're just, their whole personalities are not themselves. They're all kind of like this zany kind of like Californian, this, this Californian personality, like, uh, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, how you doing, man? You know, you good, you and it's like, whoa, it's like really fast. It's really kind of frantic. It's really disembodied. And I'm like, okay. And I met a few of these guys and they've said that they're really into um, this company, the RSD. And I'm like, okay, this is probably now making sense. And I'm saying, guys, I really don't think it's good for you to be working with this company. And they go, no, no, they're really good, John. They're doing that thing that you do, that you teach about, you know, like, um, you know, meditating and healing the heart and stuff like this. And then you watch another video of theirs, like a week later, and it's like, right, guys, when you're in a two set and you're talking to these girls and uh, you want to, you want to luck in set, you know that feeling when you're lucking in set? And I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is not, this is not spiritual, is it? This is not, this cannot be good for you if they're using these spiritual concepts. Then the next video they make is, you know, how to disarm with your wingman the girls in set. You know, so it's for me, it's it's a, it's a little bit of a trap. And for me, it's I actually think it's a cult because what they're doing is it's. Uh, they're selling little nuggets of truth. This is what all cults do. They they give you little nuggets of truth, and then they say, well, uh, you know, if you really want to get out of this, you really want to get out of the other side. You've got to go through all these programs, and you've got to like, to, you've got to absorb everything that we say. And it basically keeps all the members of that community stuck within that cult. And it's the same. There's other cults out there. There's one called Landmark, which are very clever. I think they're mm-hmm. a cult. You have, I mean, there's loads of. I've you know, I've started cults about cults and. Um, Pickup entries of cult, you could say, but especially you have companies like this who are using what what are perceived to be very forward-thinking concepts and spiritual concepts, but they're always plugging it back into a system to get to get girls to gain girls, and by doing that, it's not really spiritual. It's actually spiritual materialism, and unfortunately, a lot of guys get stuck in that, and they see these companies, and because. They're very appealing and, you know, they, they've got their marketing on lockdown. They've got the copyright on lockdown. You know, they know how to bait these guys in, just like McDonald's does. You know, they, they do it with the, all the lights and the colors and the smells as you walk past the restaurant. It baits you in, you know. Mm. And, uh, you know, even just thinking about McDonald's makes you want to have the chip, the French fries. You know what I mean? Like, mm. they're, very good, they're very good at marketing. It, it, it's very alluring. You know, it's very alluring. But, you know, sure, sure it tastes good. You know, when you go and McDonald's does take it, but you know it's not good for you. And unfortunately, it's kind of like how these companies work. It's sort of, you know, you get a little hit of something and you think, yes, this is it. This is changing my life. But deep down, you're not really developing. You're not really growing because really you have to detach yourself from these companies. You have to detach yourself from the industry. That's the way that you're going to become healthy. You know, and unfortunately, I see a lot of guys get stuck, get, get, get stuck into these, these companies. And I'm just, you know, 
it makes it's quite sad, really. You've had this experience, Dad, but you know you. And they got their they got their cult members like really supporting them as well. They got, you know you meet these guys go no 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 they're really they're brilliant. You should the stuff they're teaching now. It's like it's so advanced. It's like it's like it used to be. It's like it's really ahead of the game now. And it's like you're thinking it's not. Oh geez, you know they've really got them. They've got them. Oh, short and curlies. And it's uh, but at the same time you can't force these guys out. They've got to go through that themselves in a way. And they've got to see their own. They've got to find their own truth. So um, you know you've got to sometimes leave them to it as well. Yeah, well, I'm finding that more and more I have to actually go, okay, go do pickup then. We'll be here when it's over. And we actually just, uh, I won't mention, I won't mention the name, but we just had someone uh, about a year and a half ago. He was just, uh, he was frustrated with what we're doing at Brojo about being honest and everything um, and letting go of outcomes and so on. And he, he was just like, nah, you know, I really like this. I think it was RSD stuff. He was probably doing a mixture of things. And in the end, I'm like, look, I'm not going to sell. Like, if, if you found something that works for you, then I'll, I will trust your judgment. Go do it. And he just came back after having to get, like, rehab for sex addiction. He's all fucked up. Um, he was getting, like, stuck into prostitutes and stuff. And, uh, you know, he's quite sheepish. I'm like, look, dude, I'm not judging you. You can come back. You, you've, you've, you did exactly what I did. I went and tried it. It didn't work for me either. Um, we're still here. You know, the, the McDonald's salad thing really stands out to me because I actually... Somebody pointed out, hey, look, RSD has changed. They're different. They're actually really aligned with Brojo and stuff. So I went and had a look, and I looked at the salad. You know, I, I went and looked at a couple of their videos. I'm like, fuck, they're actually on point. Like, I'm not disagreeing with anything they're saying right now. But what this brought up for me was I used to work with psychopaths, right? Like, I used to work with um, guys who were gang presidents and stuff, like proper, proper psychos. And you meet them, and they are genuinely self-confident. There's no doubt about that. They're psychopathically self-confident. It's not just narcissism. They really do love themselves, and they love being who they are, even though they're very harmful, and what they lead others to do is very harmful. And this is what I got thinking about, because whenever I say, look, the pickup company, like, in the end, they're still just trying to get women, so there's that empty hole that can't be filled. And the counter-argument, again, is like, well, look at the guys. They're successful. They do well with women. They're really confident in themselves. Like, that's their counter-argument. And I think, well, one, one suspicion, I'll go quite out on a limb here, I think some of the top leaders in the pickup industry are either very good actors or they're actually psychopathic, in which case they're flourishing in a psychopath's world. What are your thoughts on the people who are looked up to yeah. in this industry? Right. Yeah, this, I mean, okay, so we're really getting, this is going to be really juicy now because we're, really, um, we're really going into it. So... But yeah, this this is going to be like pulling back the uh, back the wallpaper, pulling back the veil, and seeing what's really going on. You know, this might come as a shock to a lot of people listening to this, but the pickup coaches that you see, and I'm talking like the ones that are the most revered, like the kind of the uh, you know like the, the the main industry leaders, you know, like the, the the gods people are looking up to. A lot of these people, okay, and this is really going to shock. This is going to shock some people. They're terrible with women, and I, and, and I mean that in different in different ways. But some of these pickup coaches that you see can't actually get with girls at all. Mm. And we're talking about like there's I'm not going to name any people here, but there's certain coaches that like hold rooms full of people and they're doing seminars to like 500 people or whatever, hundreds of people, and 
this person is talking about picking up girls and doing doing day game and stuff like that, and they haven't had sex for like two years or three years or something like that, and they're teaching it to like hundreds of guys, and they're pretty much secluded women, you know, then just loners basically. And I would say there's a, a high proportion of these pickup coaches that don't have sex. It's all a front. They are like the, the expression goes: the, the 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 doctors are more in pain than the patients, mm. right? And that is that for me. That was when I got into it. That was like a, a real shock. And it was almost like seeing. It was almost like joining a circus, and you're suddenly seeing the back. You know, in the the clown takes off the makeup. Mm. And you really see the clown behind the scenes, and he's actually like depressed, mm. you know, and he's actually going through a lot of pain, and he's sort of like the most uncharismatic person, you know, sort of like that. Or you see stand-up comedians, and you actually know that stand-up comedians have the highest—I think one of the highest um, suicide rates or the highest um, forms of depression mm. out of what most professions, because they're putting on a front of making people laugh and being all happy and fun and comedic, but actually. There's the deep shadow behind the scenes, and that's the same thing that goes on in the pickup industry. These pickup coaches, they can't, they don't have sex. They, they're not connecting with women. They don't have girlfriends. They're complete loners, and it's all just a front. It's all just marketing. And that's, I wouldn't even, it wouldn't even surprise me if that the RSD guys are virgins. And I know that might make people like laugh, but it would surprise me because. What, a lot, what you often put out to the world is what you don't have. Mm. So if you look, you can actually look at this. If you look at certain people's Facebook profile pictures, if you see that there's a regular theme going on, in your, you can even look at your friend's profile pictures. If you see, if you see someone like stood in a Ferrari, you know, it's in one of those Ferrari, you know, like those car shows. Mm-hmm. It's because he doesn't have Ferrari. He doesn't have wealth. So he's needing to stand next to wealth and project that out into the world. If you see a photo of someone where they've got two girls kissing one cheek from each side, that's someone who hasn't got women in his life at the moment, therefore having to project that out to the world. It's the unrealized ideal. If you look at someone that is like in a photo where they're like throwing wads of cash everywhere, you know, it's like they don't have money, they don't have wealth. If you had wealth, you wouldn't need to tell the world you had wealth. So uh, that, that's the same thing that goes on in the pickup industry. A lot of these people that are talking about how with women, I'm a pickup artist. I would say those are the ones that, aren't, that don't have women in their lives at that moment. Mm. Um, as Margaret Thatcher said, if you're having to tell people that you're a lady, you're not a lady. You know. <laughs> so so that so that's kind of it, it's almost like the equal and opposite is going on there. And us in the pickup industry, the more you the more you're bragging about how you're good with women, is actually the opposite is going on there. It's actually you're terrible with women. So the more you see some brag about success of women, just reverse that, and that's what's actually going on. It's the fact that they don't have any women in their lives at that moment, you know, I would say. Now, I know that sounds a little bit cut and, cut and dry, but that's, that's a strong, there's a strong case for that. And you can look, you can look, there's a very high correlation with that. And I've worked with people, and this is the other dark side that you don't see. So you see these industry coaches and you think, God, you know, I wish I could be like them. It looks like they're living a utopia and they've got all these women around them and, Wow, everything's incredible. I've spent time with these people, and they are, are on the verge of suicide. And this is where I'm, this is this is the dark side that you don't see. Okay, so a lot of these people they're on antidepressants, and they're going through they're going through like a suicide crisis. And it's 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 very very dark. It's very sad, and um, it's it goes on a spectrum from becoming a, a sex addict 
to going through a point where if you're not if you're not having sex or any girls in your life in that moment, then you want to kill yourself. And I've seen that firsthand. And there's a lot of those people as well. And from that place, you see, and you mentioned it, psycho- psychopathic behaviour. And and it is it is psychopathic behaviour. I've I've seen that as well. I've seen I've seen very very dark stuff going on to the point where it's um, it's highly manipulative. It doesn't care at all for women. It's just about like we can satisfy our sexual um, addiction as, as as quickly and as efficiently as possible. And so, so some of the things that I've seen in terms of how they've treat, treated women, they should be arrested for, you know. Mm. And uh, it's they're actually using and going going back to that company RSD. The way that you can probably tell me this as well, Dan, but like the way that psychopaths work is that they're able to manipulate people, even done in a way which they're as they're talking, it feels as though they're like they're helping that other person, right? So oh, absolutely. Do you, can, can you can you can we can you kind of like add to this a little bit then? Because I see that as well. It's like a lot of these companies, they're sort of they're saying all the right. That's what a psychopath does: is they say all the right things. Yeah, one of the things I learned about working with psychopaths is uh, to be very wary of too good to be true. That became right. a concept that was like, if this guy seems to be doing really well, it's probably a fucking disaster, you know. And you know what I think of is the idea of Facebook. You know, mm. you're not paying for Facebook, which means you're the product, that whole concept. And what I think happens in the pickup industry is the students don't realize it's not the women who are being manipulated. It's the students. They're the real target, you know. And because yeah. I've got other experience, I, I've spent some time with again some of the most revered and, and top guys in the industry. And these guys actually, you know, in my in my experience, they got laid quite a lot, or at least enough to justify calling themselves a pickup artist or whatever. They they weren't sexless, but they had other issues that were interesting. So for one one thing that came came to me quite clearly is that they didn't seem to really enjoy it, which was bizarre. When I when I first got involved with them, I'm like, man, these guys these guys have a lot of beautiful women in their lives. They took no real pleasure in that, which was weird to me. It was almost like they were bored of it, and that was the first warning sign I saw. And then I started noticing some some other things. They when I started getting into the concept of confidence, I I started developing a list of what I call red flags. They're kind of signs of behavior that you just don't see in a confident person. And so somebody might appear to be confident, but if you see this red flag, odds are they're not. So, for example, like somebody might appear to be really confident, but they always seem to be seeking your approval. You wouldn't see that in a confident person. It's a red flag. They might show off a lot. Uh, they might abuse drugs and alcohol. There's these like warning signs you're like, look, if you're truly confident, you probably wouldn't be doing that, right? And I started to see these red flags, and they were very subtle. Like, one is I saw a guy was injecting himself with this very dodgy substance to make himself tan better. I was like, that's a weird oh, thing. Like, that's, it was, <laughs> this was a very, like... That's hard control. Yeah, this is not an FDA-approved product. He got it off somewhere off the dark web. And I was like, right. I'm not entirely sure a confident guy would care that much about his tan, you know? And then I saw they would... These guys, and, and this is a, you know, in the pickup industry, they often talk about how you're, you'll be able to get girls without having to drink or anything. And yet when I saw these guys running their shows, they were often off their face or on drugs. 
they weren't socializing sober like they claimed to be able to teach. Um, and they were really, they weren't just having a bit of fun with drugs. They were like, it was a part of their life, a big part. And so I started to see these other things. And then I saw, well, I developed some friendships with these guys. And these guys aren't like freak shows or anything. I'm, I'm able to maintain friendships with some of these guys. And I often have, you know, quite robust but friendly arguments about our different views on things. But I started to see behind the scenes that some of these guys had like severe depression and anxiety. Um, some of them, they would finally get a girlfriend, which is secretly what they always wanted, but they couldn't maintain a relationship. It would always fall apart uh, quickly. They could get a lot of girls, but the girls didn't want to stay. Oh, they ended up in, in relationships with very, like, I just have to say, psychologically unstable women. They weren't really bringing many healthy, well-rounded women into their life. So that's kind of what I saw, and that that really that shook the foundation yeah. of faith I had in those leaders. Because I'm like, look, you might be winning in some aspects according to what your worshippers yeah. see, but you're not really enjoying who you are. And yeah. what's the point if you don't enjoy who you are? You know? Yeah, you're losing it light. If you you might be winning winning the uh, term, but you're losing in the long run. And uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that. Because they call themselves pickup artists or master pickup artists or master seducers and like that, and that's their whole marketing gambit. That what happens is they have to uphold uphold that reputation. So, and I, I've seen this because sort of been in that environment where even around your peers and your your colleagues and stuff, there's almost that thing of like, oh, he's just had sex, you know, like you know, I, I haven't this week, you know, I need to prove myself. Mm-hmm. I need to sort of. It's almost like a kind of uh, an unwritten competition there going on mm. and, and and then you, you it's almost difficult to to not get involved in that you know and then you think oh are they looking at me in a way oh, i haven't had sex yet they're probably thinking why has john not had sex and i've had sex you know and it's just becomes this really unhealthy competition and even that's quite hard to detach from and it's because they they're calling themselves pickup artists so they're not having sex then that's going to chip away at their identity isn't it and so if you're calling yourself a pickup artist you're not having sex then it's almost like who am i <laughs> you know, mm. and it, let's say you go a week, a month, and you're not having sex, and it's almost like it's almost this, this this complete state of like nihilism of just like you know who am I? What am I doing? You know, am I a fraud? Like Jesus, what's going on? You know, and then you've seen I've seen that as well. You know, and I think that can be a trap just by living from that title of calling yourself this sort of like master seducer, or even like people call themselves a, a confidence coach or something like that. You know. That in a way, it's almost like you have to be confident all the time. You know mm. what I mean? Or uh, you have charisma coaches and stuff like this. I think that's quite dangerous because then, like, sometimes you want to go out and be moody. You know, mm. sometimes like it's okay to go out and just be hungover or moody or tired or a bit like a bit of a git sometimes. You know, and that's all human experience. But like, sometimes if you if you're titling yourself as something, then it's almost like you have to show the world that you're that all the time. And if you're not, then it's like. Sometimes they feel like you're you're a bit of a fraud or something. So I think they go through that problem, you know. They get they, they, they and, and that sort of creates this thing of like always having to and like try and sleep with as many girls as possible, and it's like this conflict all the time. And so, so I think yeah, I think that's that's part partly partly what happens. I don't know what else to say about that. I was going to mention the RSD thing as well, but um, going back to RSD, I, I don't know if you read the game, but mm-hmm. no, it's Neil Strauss is actually. If you actually read the book and the second half of the book, Neil Strauss is actually talking about how RSD are manipulating the whole house. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. 
there, and it's almost like at the end of the bit, you see how like RSD are basically manipulate, manipulating them for like for months, and they didn't realise it at the time. It was all like like, and that's basically what they do. It's like they manipulate. They're able to manipulate their audience to the point where you don't even know they're manipulating you. They've got you, you know, and then you think that like, well, you know, they've got everything that we need. They're talking about meditation, so you know, John, whatever you talk about, they're talking about. So this is the place to go. We don't realise there's a very cunning, it's a psychopathic element to that, which is to be able to manipulate the audience and just them the right sort of things to keep them there. And that's what people have to detach themselves from, and they have to be very aware of that, and they have to, you know, they have to be able to be, a, be cle- cleverly discern bullshit, you know, from the truth there. Yeah, well, you know, I, I use companies like that as a, uh, it's kind of like a budgie down the mine or something. I. I, I want to make sure I'm not like that. And the risk is always there that I will be. You know, it's easy to get into a guru complex when people watch your videos or read your books or whatever. Yeah. And so I'm always, and, and I'm, I'm the same. I'm equally at risk. I, I label myself as a confidence coach, but that's a risky thing to do. There's yeah. times when, like, I'm scared to show my audience that I'm stressed or confused or any of the things that don't right. quite yeah, line yeah. up with the word confident. And I, and I actively make sure to do that, you know, to show them so that I break that hold that the label has on me and the same thing with the industry like one thing rsd i don't think will ever do is say go try somebody else they'll say we've got it all mm. whereas I, I try to make sure on brojo like here's somebody else's ideas and here's another person and here's a book that mm. i didn't write you know and so on let's like we could i think you and i could go on for hours but let's kind of yeah. i want to come full circle mm. and come back to your term of integrated masculine so if all that yeah. pickup stuff is the unhealthy version, what is the yeah. healthy version? I <laughs> feel like it's like a it's not a quick thing to to, to explain it in like five minutes, but um, <laughs> so whatever you can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well let, let's see let's see if I can maybe introduce a, a model that I use to, to show mm-hmm. guys this. If you can imagine, and I sometimes draw this up in a bit of paper, but we, we're going to have to imagine this for now. Mm-hmm. Now you've got. If you draw one big circle on a bit of paper, and then within that you draw another circle, and within that other circle you draw another circle, so you've got three concentric, I think it's called concentric circles. Mm-hmm. And then, so the inner circle, like you could say like the, the ball eye, that's, you number that uh, one. So that's that inner circle, the very inner circle, that's one. The out, the just slightly outer circle from that, that's two. And then the, the widest circle, that's three. Mm-hmm. So. Number one, number one circle. That is what I refer to as the yeah, first first stage masculine or the boy. Mm-hmm. And when children are young, they they often shout mine or you know they're very much in their I wants, but they don't have any concern over anyone else. So they're just sort of reaching out for what they want, and it's just it's all about mine. That's the boy. That's that's the boy consciousness. Then what happens is that as boys go through sort of adolescence and or just even bring up from, from uh, you know, I call it like the terrible twos, you know, when mm-hmm. children to that age. What happens is we realize that like going for what we want starts to hurt other people. So we start to develop a sense of awareness and compassion and empathy for other people's experiences mm-hmm. in our actions. So that's what that's what stage two is about. Stage two is developing the uh, compassion and empathy element right so then what you have is and we well, this is going to go back to what I mentioned before about your two your two nice guy or misogyny right so the first stage 
is basically the misogynist. It's basically saying, like, I want, and I don't care what happens to your experiences, like, as long as I get what I want. Mm-hmm. And in, in a sense, that's like the pickup artist. Yeah. Stage two, if only in stage two, that's basically the feminine. That's basically the, the nice guy. That's like the, all compassion, all empathy. But what you've done is you've st- you haven't shown your I wants. Mm. You've actually cut off the wants, and you're only coming from that place of like perceived compassion mm. and 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 empathy. And that's the nice guy. That's the prince charming. That's like that's Hugh Grant turning up with a bunch of roses, not actually showing that he wants her. You know, like with his balls, you know? <laughs> so the third stage, <laughs> the third stage in this model is actually, it's actually being able to put together one and two together. Mm. So it's being able to have that compassion and awareness for other people, but also adding to that is the I wants and being able to lead it as well. So then what, what happens then is if you're able to have that empathy and compassion and lead and show that you, you want, that's when you reach the, third, the integrated masculine, which is about what I call like empathic leading, mm. leadership, leading with empathy, not with control. So mm. the picker parts are stuck in one. That's also the narcissists are in one. And just twos, that's the Prince Charming, that's the nice guys. And in three... That's someone that's able to observe people's boundaries, observe your own boundaries, have awareness, have compassion, but still say, I want to sleep with you, I want you, you know, and lead her decisively, you know, and show that you are, and, and, and basically not cut off your balls. It's like integrating the heart and the balls together. So just one is just balls energy, you could say, just, just horniness. Just two is heart energy, and one and two is balls and heart energy together. And when you, when you come from three, you'll find that you will, women that are in their three, which I can come on to in a minute, it's the third stage of femininity, they all start to go, and goes, ah, that's the real man I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. He gets it. You know what I mean? What you'll often find, women that are in their stage three, as in the integrated feminine, they will look at stage two and they'll go, oh, fuck's sake, you know, he's just, he's just trying to like, you know, he's just being the nice guy. He's cut off his balls completely. And they'll also look at stage one. The pickup artist, and they'll go, Jesus Christ, like, and they'll put, put, and they'll just, they'll just laugh them off, bat them off, because they're like, these are little boys, this is mm-hmm. adolescence, you know what I mean? So, um, if you can come from that stage three, which is to integrate one and two, then not only will you be the sort of man that stage three women are looking for, but you can also, this is interesting, you can actually also bring women out of their stage ones and twos, mm. their adolescence, and you can actually inspire them to come out of their... their and I can even talk about the three stages of the feminine as well quickly. So if you can imagine the same sort of circle, three mm-hmm. circles you've got for the feminine, and the inner circle, actually total openness, total vulnerability, total everything scary. Imagine a child first coming out into the world. It's everything's overwhelming can't defend itself, like just, oh, it's just too much, right? Mm-hmm. That's stage one. Then you've got stage two, and this is an element of the feminine. So you, in, in every yin-yang, you've got a little little feminine and the masculine. The stage two of the feminine is the masculine element, and that's boundaries. So that's when a girl is able to go, no, fuck off, keep her space, being able to protect herself. Mm-hmm. Get, you know, that, that's basically the stage two. So basically, you have women, you have a lot of women there, they're in their stage one, which is like the victim, you know, playing the victim, overwhelmed, the damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Then you also have a lot of women that they're in their stage two, they're in their masculine. And that is basically like 
the women that are always putting up barriers whenever you go out and you meet these girls. They're putting their, their shields up. Um, you know, this is what the pickup guys call, the red pill guys call the bitch shield, you know? Yeah. They're putting up that, those barriers to everyone. They're very, they're very closed off to, to everyone. You know, you go into a bar, you say hi, they go, fuck off. You know, they're in, that, they're in their boundaries. But mm-hmm. third stage for the feminine, the third stage feminine is being able to open like a flower around men. Because you know that you've got that infrastructure of boundaries within you to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. See, women go through a similar sort of thing, but in, in different ways. So, and, and you'll have this. You'll go out and you'll see a girl and you'll just be around. And she's just so open around you. She's so sexual. She's so open. And it's just so attractive because it really promotes your masculine. And she'll often do that around the guys that are in their third stage masculine. But they won't do around the guys that are in their first stage boy. Because mm-hmm. they're not going to want to open around them. Do you see how this works? The first stage boy, which I call is also like the narcissist, will often attract the first stage victim. Ooh. And you see a lot of those relationships, the narcissist and the victim, because they come into some kind of like energetic, attra- uh, uh, you know, a magnetic attraction, because in some way they're, they're both coming from that like child consciousness and they're attracting each other. You see what I mean? You also see a lot of the stage two, like the, the passive guys, the nice guys, the kind of very just bland and you know they, they cut off their balls they will also often partner up with the stage two women who are kind of like masculine energy they're like yeah. you often see these very headstrong business women they'll often partner up with the very kind of like weak limp-wristed um nice guy charming types because in some way that's a bad that's a polarity as well because the women are their masculine the men are in their feminine but then you see stage three and stage three come together and that's when you have like the integrated masculine, which is like the mature masculine, who's able to say, I want, but has compassion with the women that are able to open around these men like a flower because they know that they, they're, they're able to, they appreciate their own um, infrastructure of boundaries. And if you're a man in stage three, you can often attract the women that are in their stage two boundaries to let their guard down. And this is where the red pill guys get it wrong. They're trying to like disarm these women and get past them with all these different strategies. Mm-hmm. But if you can just show that you're just open and you, you have awareness, you have emotional intelligence, and you appreciate her, you can not, you can actually like, yeah, you can in a, in a way you can you can protect her. And if she says no, you can you you can appreciate that no. And even if in another way, she can even not say no, and you can know when she's saying no. If mm-hmm. you know what I mean, mm-hmm. that, like. She could even show in her body language that she's not really feeling it. She doesn't really want to open it. And and you, as the guy that's got that like maturity, you can go, ah, she's feeling a little bit closed down and withdrawn here. Like I want to, I want to like give her space. I'm just gonna like you know allow her to sort of feel comfortable. If women can be around guys like that, they will naturally want, will naturally open around these sorts of people. You know, much like you know in, in nature, certain plants when they can feel there's a certain toxicity in the environment, they'll close their tools, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. when they can feel like the, the environment's like conducive to, to, to sort of um, to, to a healthy environment, they'll open, they'll blossom, they'll open their flower, they'll open their petals. The way it's a similar sort of thing, you know? And that's the way to, to show up with women. And it will inspire women to open up around you rather than almost like trying to force, trying to for, get past them, you know, force the petals open. And, and, and in a way... Like, I, I mean, this is this is what a lot of guys probably don't want to hear. But you've also you've got to reach a point where you love women, you love sex, mm-hmm. you want sex, you want women. But at the same time, you don't need them. You don't need them in order to survive. You can be good without them. 
and, and and then but show that you still want them and you desire them at the same time. If you can ride that par ride, I don't want to say paradox, but if you can ride that that kind of the thing of like wanting them but not needing them and show up with them in that way and actually really embody that and like feel, yeah, I really need women, but like I'd love to have sex with you tonight. If you can actually come from that place around women, then you'll notice like they will to they'll check they'll behave totally different to you to, rather than as opposed to with coming up being all this like using all this strategy to somehow control her. You know, that that's like we've all tried and you know, you might have some limited success from that, but ultimately you'll push push girls away, you repel women that way. So that's what I refer to as the integrated masculine. Third stage it's like the empathic you could say empathic penetration or the empathic leadership. And for the third stage feminine it's like the um being able to protect yourself so that you can open like a flower. And um, that's what I refer to as, yeah, that, that's the third, that was what I would say is the mature masculine feminine. Oh, I'd love to, to critic you, but I can't, man. That is exactly how I view things. Uh, I haven't put it that way before, but, you know, one of the things I've always tried to explain to guys who have had terrible experiences with women is mm. you, you, it's not like you're getting what you deserve, but you're getting what you are. And I think that was an yes. oversimplified version of what you're saying. Like, if I'm a one, I'm going to get ones, and I'm going to think there are only ones. Yeah. Because twos and threes, they might as well be invisible to me. They will, Or I'll bring out the one in people, is one way you might put it. It's interesting, because I've had, you know, I, I quite shamelessly consider myself in that three space, at least most of the time, nowadays. I spend most of my life in the two. Uh, and what's interesting is I might interact with a woman and have a great interaction with her. And later on, I'll hear a guy who knows her say, oh, God, she's such a bitch. She's so difficult to deal with. And I'll just be like, hmm, I really didn't get that from her. And then I think, well, actually, I think we met two different women. And it was the way we were that brought out that side of her. And, you know, the comments you made about how uh, uh, a guy in his integrated masculine, a three, will bring a woman who's in two into a three. She'll feel safe to make yeah. that move. Um, I noticed Often, that. Yeah. I noticed it's just in my own life when I started really focusing on healing my own bullshit, and I took responsibility. I said, "Look, every bad relationship I've ever had with a woman is because I don't have my shit sorted yet." Um, and I and I started working on that. These amazing women just appeared out of nowhere, and I'd never seen them before in my life. But these amazing, confident women started appearing in my life as friends or otherwise. And I was like, have you been hiding? Have I been looking in the wrong place? And I was like, actually, no. It's me that's changed. These women have always been here, but now they're interacting with me differently because I'm different. And that was a huge way. And this is what I really struggle to get through to guys who have uh, spent their whole life in one or two or jumped back and forth between those. Is like you, you can't meet a three when you're like that. You know, they won't exist to you, no. but they do exist, but you trigger off in them. I think the most accurate feedback a man can ever have about himself is who he gets into relationships with. The girls who like him will tell him exactly what kind of guy he is. If he is in relationships and friendships with just fucked up, unstable women, he is fucked up and unstable. And if he's surrounded by confident women who think he's great, then he's probably on track. You know, and... and in my own life, I, I just had this series of just shitty relationships with crazy, crazy women. And it took me a long time to realize, hey, this is a mirror for me. 
I'm finding these women. I'm attracted to them. They're attracted to me. If a crazy woman's attracted to me, then what the fuck is going on with me? <laughs> and that's, yeah, I, I also I think that, that. It's, 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 it's okay to also, like, I, I don't want to set a precedence here where we say, so if you if you don't have any women in your life, that's there's something wrong with you or something like that as oh, well. Yeah. Because I think it's totally okay. It's totally okay to be on your own. Oh, you know? yeah. It's, okay. it's all right with that. I, 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 you know, this is this is where I kind of distance myself from the industry. Saying it, they, they, want, they want to elicit pain from their audience and say, hey, you're not getting laid? Oh, dearie me. Like, we are. We're having mm-hmm. a lot of fun over here. You're not getting laid? Oh, what's wrong with you? You know? Like, it's important to realize that, like, being on your own is, like, brilliant. You know, like, it's it, it's... As long as you feel good on your own, you know, if you're if you're walking around on your own, going, oh, I'm I'm half empty. I'm looking for my other half. You know, it's all this like language of like feeling incomplete. Then that's the problem. You know, like, but mm-hmm. if you just feel really good on your own, then that says a lot about what's really going on for you. You know, if you're dependent on, you, know, you see this as well. You see that only validate themselves if they're in a relationship. You know, and then they feel like, oh yeah, I've got my shit together now. You know, I think that says a lot about people as well. It's like they only feel like they've really made it once in a relationship. You know, and then suddenly they're like posting loads of pictures of themselves with a girlfriend and stuff like that. It's like, <laughs> in a way, that's a crutch as well. You know, mm-hmm. like you should be able to feel good on your own and almost celebrate the fact that you're on your And it's just like where you're at at, at that moment. Um, so it's a balance. You know, it's, it, it is a balance. I think uh, you, you, can take, you can take it all to the extreme, I'd say. And... No, yeah, I, 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 I yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And you know, my uh, I'd consider my graduation from two to three actually came from a long period of singledom by choice. I was like, you know yeah. what, I'm not bringing a woman into my life until I've got my shit sorted, and that was actually what helped me sort my shit. You know, by the time I was really ready for a relationship, was right after I finally came to a genuine feeling of I'm okay with being single forever. Like me and me, that'll do. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. was when I was ready to actually have a woman in my life for healthy reasons, I think, where, you know, even to this day, I'm engaged now, and right. I still don't need her, you know, and I, I'm very yeah. conscious of that. Like, if she leaves me, I'm not saying it won't hurt, but my life doesn't depend on it, my confidence certainly doesn't. At least I like to believe that, who knows, you know, when it actually happens, but... Absolutely. You know, that's that's why our relationship's healthy, you know. I don't I'm never gonna yeah. tolerate anything that's like a lack of integrity and because I know that, I never have to. We're both very healthy towards each other. We sort through our shit. There's always shit, but we sort through it. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, when I met her I really felt I felt quite proud of myself because I felt that this is what I was thinking of when you're describing your model. She was a two, like, you can't give her shit. She'll block you very strongly. But because I was just, like, very open and honest about everything, I kind of, you know, she was allowed to see anything about me, including my intentions and any hidden, needy motives I might have had, uh, she just dropped her guard, you know? And, um, yeah, and it was incredible to see. I felt like, wow, I, I could actually see her do that, like, from one minute to the next, she just opened up. It was an incredible thing. I could almost see it, you know? It was bizarre. But the way you described yeah. this model was, it's just a, yeah, an accurate representation yeah, of how I experienced it. I think so. That, that, they're, that's, they're, that's like the, you know, I gave the example of the Tantra retreat that I did. They're, that's what they're waiting for with these guys. And mm. uh, a lot of the guys that, um, you know, that I, I work with, they, <laughs> I would say, like you're going back to your one, one and two again, the nice guy and the misogynist. I would say, 
guys that aren't even in pickup, they come and they are that nice guy, so they're just stuck in two. And like, I'm not saying that I'm always in three either, like you mentioned that. It's like, let's say that I, um, I ejaculate, you know, like, and I do that a lot, right? I'll actually, I, I can actually tell in my actions with women walking around town and stuff like that, almost like I've moved solely into high energy, but I've cut off the balls energy a little bit, which I have, because it's almost like the test, everything's been released, you know? And so I'm able, I'm, I'm able to, well, I find it more difficult to state that I want, because I've, I've almost, you know, because of that release of testosterone, you know, I've, I've off the one, and I'm only in two, if you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. there are, I, I can actually fluctuate between all those as well. You know, I would say that the, um, the, like I said before, the pickup industry are only really in one, and there's no empathy in the pickup industry. There's no, there's nothing about compassion or awareness. That's why you see them, you see them do these uh, infield goes where they're filming girls on the streets, picking them up getting numbers off them, and a lot of them don't even blur their face, but I don't even think it matters blowing their face a lot. They're, they're happy to film these girls, put it up on YouTube for millions of people to see, and they're trying to give the impression they've had sex with these girls. So, okay, let's say they had sex with this girl, and then they post a video on YouTube. I mean, does it get any more psychopathic than that, Dan? You know, I mean, mm. what the hell's going on when you're, you, you meet a girl on the street, she thinks you've got this really organic, natural connection with her, uh, and then you meet on a date, you go back and have sex with her. And then what, what the first thing that's going through your mind is, God, I must post that video online. I mean, that's is any company that do these infield videos where they're like getting girls numbers off, off the street and they're giving the impression that they're like meeting up with these girls. For me, that's that is psychopathic. And it's almost become normalized in the industry where because so many people do it, these infield videos, that it's almost like safety in numbers. It's like, well, everyone does it, so like, I'm, I'm not going to do any harm if I do it. And it's like, no, you are, because it's like, you know, let's say this girl, she's she has a reputation in her field of work. She might be like a high-end lawyer or, you know, working in, um, you know, I don't know, journalism or something like that. And you and then you post a video of line of you picking her up and giving the impression that you've taken her all the way to the bedroom. Like, do you know what I mean? You've affect, you, could, you could affect her life, her career with that. You could even create like you know dare I say psychological issues with her but it doesn't matter as long as you get the views the YouTube views and so I saw that with the companies that I used to work with stuff like that that is psychopathic behavior and I won't tolerate that you know and so that that's why we really need to check in with ourselves and uh, all also call other people out on this and that is coming from one that is almost that's the extreme one of just complete psychopathic behavior uh, and it has no empathy it has none of that stage two it's all coming from one no empathy, no compassion, no awareness, almost just cold-bloodedness. Mm. And that is the that is the psychopath. The psychopath actually, you could probably say uh, explain this better than I can. They have no they have no empathy. It's a complete lack of empathy. It's almost almost pathological to the point where they don't actually. They've shown this on neurological studies where they don't even activate that part of the brain. Thinks the mammalian brain, which deals with empathy and compassion, it mm. almost it's almost non-existent. You know, and they're only coming from know almost left-brained as well just like kind of dominance and uh, you have a lot of psychopaths who are actually very articulate and very logical because that's that part of their brain they're using but there's no there's none of that feeling there's none of that kind of empathy and compassion it's all just kind of like you know if you see some of these psychopaths psychopaths serial killers a lot of them very well spoken I don't know if if you've got any insights into that but there's definitely something there's definitely a high correlation these very kind of articulate logical rational overly rational people with actually psychopathic behavior well actually you just prompted a memory i can't believe this slipped past me 
But one of the, the key things that got me out of the game or planted a seed uh, that just made game very uncomfortable for me was working with psychopathic pedophiles. And they use the same techniques. They use the same techniques to groom children that pickup artists use. You know, all the things like how, like one of the things that you do in pickup artistry, if you approach a group, you pay attention to everyone but your target, right? That is pedophilia 101. You make the family like you. Right. And so that the, the child that isn't, you know, not only is the child not getting attention, starts craving your attention, but also the group is disarmed. Right. And, and just time after time again, like tactics that I saw in pickup, demonstrating yeah. higher value, building comfort, all these kind of very strategic right. moves, I saw pedophiles using them yeah. on children. And I was just like, this is fucked. There shouldn't be this many parallels between, yeah. you know, dating between adults and guys trying to fuck kids, you know? And it, it you know, the psychopathy of pickup artistry in my mind, they talk a lot about what women want but not about delivering that. They talk about using that information to get what you want. And I think that's what really stands out. Like, they talk about this is what women look for in a man, and here's how to pretend to be that so that you'll get laid. Exactly. Right, see, see, now we really get to the... We're really scratching the surface of this, because this is what it really, for me, comes down to. The things that you've just mentioned there, okay, actually come from a place of connection, genuine connection, okay? Mm. But what happens is these pickup companies, what they do is they extrapolate the mechanisms that people that do naturally create good rapport, do naturally connect with women, you know, do naturally have that sort of flirtatious connection with women. What they do is they they surface copy the the mechanics of that and then they package that and then they sell that to their audience. Mm -hmm. But then within that, they this is how you're going to get girls and get past their defenses and, and get laid, okay? But some of the stuff that you mentioned, so you mentioned about like, you know, make the whole group like you, okay? So you mentioned that paedophiles use that to groom children, okay? Mm-hmm. But also the person's actually naturally good with people that does that as well, who's got no intentions of grooming anyone does that, okay? Yeah. So for instance, when you, I do this when I'm public speaking, okay? So I'm, I'm, projecting my, I, I'm projecting my awareness to everyone in the room. You know, I'm not, so, I'm not, not solely um, giving eyes to one person. I'm, I'm projected to everyone in that room. I'm giving them my, all my attention. When I'm talking to a group, I'm giving my attention to everyone in that group because that to me is, that's the right thing to do. You know, that's mm-hmm. like the healthy thing to do. And actually, I found that they, they do also liking and they are disarmed to me. But it's all about the intent. Mm-hmm. So if your intent is, I'm going to use this as a strategy to groom that one girl then it's coming from the wrong place, okay? If you're going into that group because you're fun and you're bubbling over with, like, charisma and social energy and you want to... And it's coming from politeness, you know? But you go into a group of three people, let's say, and you, you only talk to one of the girls and you're ignoring the other two, two that's rudeness. Mm-hmm. If you're going in there and you're just, like, you're a good person and you want to, like, be polite, you want to, like, bring that to everyone in the group, that's coming from a good intent. That's coming from intent of, like... Now, hey guys, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I want to share myself with you, and I just want to have fun with you. Someone natural will do that, but then the weirdo guy looking at that will go, oh, and he's got his bit of paper, and he's going, right, okay, so, you know, one, he 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 got all the uh, girls in the group interested in him. Oh, okay, he's disarmed them. Okay, three, you know, mm-hmm. so you can, in a negative sense, surface copy the mannerisms of a guy that has a good intent, but plug it into a system that is like about bad intentions. Do you know what I mean? So it's all, mm. it all comes down to 
intent behind that. So for, I'll give you another example. So in pickup, they use uh, things like false time constraints. I don't know if you've heard yeah, of this. Yeah. So this is all active disinterest. So a time constraints where you go up to a girl and you say, um, hey, you know, I, I've only got half an hour because I've got to go on, but, you know, I've got half an hour if you fancy a coffee. So what that does, it shows to her that, like, you're not going to be sticking around too long. It's like it, it removes the – it's a strategy to remove the fear that she's stuck with you because you're showing that you're going to be out of there in, like, two minutes, half hour, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say that you have got your shit together and, you know, you're, you're living a purposeful, busy life and you're on the streets and you're meeting a girl and you, you've attracted to her and she snapped you out of your reality. And you go, hey, oh, my God, you know, who are you? I'd, you know, I want, I'd love to connect with you. But I've only got half an hour because I've got to go to another meeting, right? You're not – that as a strategy is because you actually are you do have to go to a meeting <laughs> you're you busy yeah. yeah you are like see what's happening is the pickup has basically taken the principal guy that has issues together and they've extrapolated the techniques that work in, in, in inverted commas and they're now giving that and they're giving that to a bunch of needy guys to use so what i talk about is that creates behavioral dissonance Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to use the behaviours of a, of, a, of a natural guy that has his shit together and they're giving it to guys that don't have their shit together and are very needy. So that's why they're using these techniques as like arbitrary techniques and like, but it, it's totally in opposition to where they're at in their own development and, and, and who they are, you know, and, and how they feel. So that's where I would say that if we're really scratching the surface, some of these things that guys do aren't, aren't um, objectively aren't objectively, let's say, psychopathic. It's all about the intent behind. So another one that they use is like, use active disinterest. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like if you show that you're not interested in her, then she might feel more attracted to you. Or you've heard this is a classic one, say, leave it two days before you call a girl back. Do you remember that one? That's like Mm -hmm. going back like decades, you know. Um, That's that's to give the impression, like, yeah, that's old old school. That's like pre-pickup. That's basically saying that, like, if I leave it two days and that shows that I'm non-needy, but you're you're using it as a technique, so it's, it, it is needy. Mm-hmm. But, like, a guy that has his shit together and is busy all week, and, you know, he, he's got more going on than just, like, staring at his phone, like, going, oh, I want to contact this girl, but I'm leaving it two days. Right? If he has his shit together, he will naturally text back, probably, in a couple days or, or five days, or even straight away. Mm-hmm. that's the thing you know if you have your shit together you can text back whenever you want but a guy that doesn't have his shit together has to operate by a, a set of systems and and, and 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 techniques that are kind of tried and tested in the industry to give the impression that you're non-needy way to do it is to be generally genuinely non-needy genuinely coming from that place of like i love women but i don't need them mm-hmm. and interact from the place of i want you but like i'm going to be okay without you and you'll find that you will like like talk to the whole group at the same time and they will be disarmed to you you probably will you know like not have much to talk to because you're sort of so busy and stuff like that that's coming from the natural place but what happens is the 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 pickup industry and these psychopaths they know and it's like an nlp thing as well they know to mirror like they know how to sort of like model some of that behavior and use it just purely from the technical and the mechanical aspect but it's coming from the wrong end and that's what that those companies do whereas the companies do and that's and that's what psychopaths do. But really, like the truth is, is like to, to reach a place where you can come from the embodied, stuff, the embodied part of that. And all of those actions you do are an expression of having your shit together, basically. I couldn't have put it better. I mean, ultimately, that's what got me out of pickup was I wanted a girl to be attracted to me, not to be fooled by my grooming techniques. 
you know, and there we go, yeah. I wanted to be yeah. the guy who's naturally and unconsciously doing the things that those pickup artists, uh, as you say, like photocopying. And and that was really funny. Like once once you've got your shit sorted, as much as a, a human can in any moment, then you can break all the rules of pickup and it'll be, you'll be fine. But if you're not, you break a single rule and you lose the girl instantly. I noticed that a lot when I was on pickup. Bang on, Dan. That is bang. That's what I think Picasso says it. He says, um, to become an artist, you, you you learn, learn, learn. And then the only way to become an artist is to like break the rules. Yeah. And, 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 and that's that's what effectively has to happen. But if you're still operating from that that control paradigm, the, the one, the pickup artist, then you have got it's so painful it's so painstakingly difficult that you've got to like you cannot put a foot wrong. Because mm. you're operating solely from the mechanical level, the surface level of all these techniques, that you've got to like cobble together all these techniques, like paving a the yellow road of of techniques to reach Emerald the Emerald City. Whereas really the the way to to reach it for me, for me what mastery is is to completely break, break the rules and do what you want to do in that moment, tempered with emotional intelligence. But and you're just playing. You play with women rather than work for women. Mm-hmm. Once you start playing, you let go. You just it shows a detachment from them. They feel comfortable around you. And you might see the pickup guys trying to then look at you and say, oh, you did that technique, John. I saw how you did that. And you're like, no, no, I wasn't wasn't doing any technique. They go, yeah, yeah, you, you were rolling off. You were like leaning away. You were, you know, they could still model everything that you did, but it wasn't coming from that place because you were genuinely playing. You were genuinely let go of the need for her. But of course, there's always someone that can like break that down and photocopy you. But they're always going to come. If you if you, you mentioned the word photocopy, if you photocopy a photocopy, what happens? Yeah, right. So if you photocopy a photocopy of a photocopy, what happens to the ink on the page? It fades. It becomes less and less potent because it's coming from an original, true version. It's coming from a, a more and more of a of, a, of a, uh, a a diluted version of the last one, and the last one, and the last one, and the last one. So it's 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 never really. It's never really you there. It's it's someone else. It's some of someone else of someone else <laughs> passed down through generations of pickup artists. And you're using this technique, and you don't know where the fuck this technique's come from, but you're going to try it because you've heard that it works. And that's that's basically like the photocopy of the photocopy of the photocopy. You know what I mean? And and people and women can feel that. They can feel when it's coming from the let's call it the diluted man or the the low ink man. <laughs> you know, if you can come from the place of you just really just playing a bit and. Uh, coming from your own desires and your own wants and your own expression in that moment. And that's why I called it social artist. That's what, that's where the name came from. Mm. Um, you know, being your own artist, that's where the name social artistry came from. It came from healing the broken heart, which you spoke about at the beginning and being a social artist and no one artist is ever the same. And this is what I try and teach my, my students is like, Oh, I want to see you. I don't want a, a copy of, thank you very much. <laughs> You know, because you see a lot of students trying to copy me and stuff that I do on the technical level because mm-hmm. they see that it works. But it's not going to work for you because you can't teach Lord Dali to be like Picasso, to be like Rembrandt. You know, they're all different and they're all perfectly unique and they're all artists and they're all brilliant. But you can't get a Picasso to be like a Rembrandt, you know. So that is why you've got to find your own unique expression. I can give you certain principles that's why I teach principles, not techniques. I'll give you six principles. And once you learn these six principles, you are then set free to be your own artist, your own social artist. 
And once you do that, anything you do is right. Anything that you do and say is correct because it's coming from your own personality. And so as long as you're playing, which is one of my principles, as long as you're expressing and giving yourself away unconditionally without any need for anything, as long as you're autonomous in the sense that like you don't need anything from her in order to feel good, you can feel contained in your own actions. Once you can do that and then add to it the desire, like what your I wants, and then you've got the emotional intelligence, which is the other principle, then you can be, which the sixth principle is to be the social artist. And once you can do that, six principles, trust me, is easier than tens of thousands of techniques. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they all agree on that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's uh, that's an awesome place to wrap it up because uh, now you can tell us a little bit. For those people who want to learn more about those six principles and go deeper into this uh, and work with you or get in touch, uh, get you know, go deeper into your work, where do we send them? Yeah, uh, yeah thanks, Dad. Um, so, yeah, if you if yeah if you kind of understanding where I'm coming from from listening to from this podcast, then um, I actually have an academy where I take five guys. And I take them through each one of my principles. So we do the heart healing work. We do work on reaching that place of autonomy, the sort of the self-acceptance work. I set homework exercises and we basically do a six-week online master, like an online mastermind where you go away and you do the home, you internalize all the principles, you watch the video course, you go away and do it, you then upload the homework to the uh, to the academy. And, um, and I basically take guys through the entire process uh, if you're interested and you want to go on that journey, you want to become the social artist, shall we say, or the social artist, because we're going to be doing a lot of deep emotional work as well, then I've got an academy, and it's it's called socialheartistryacademy.com. Mm-hmm. Or if you just want to connect with me and you just want to check out a little bit more of what I do, um, you can join my Facebook uh, group, which is um, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the John Coop. Uh, you could just, you know, connect to me that way as well. And um, also credentials where you can live with me. Um, I've got one, got a couple coming up in Budapest this summer. And I'm also taking guys, if you want to be one of the first to uh, register for Brazil, I'm taking uh, two guys to Rio de Janeiro in October as well. So so you can do some live live coaching. That's like weeks worth of uh, personal coaching from me. So, yeah, that's it, man. And, um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on, Dan. I know just I want to give a little shout out to you as well. Um, I... Personally, I've been in this industry for I've been in this industry for eight years now, so I feel like I've mm. done my time. You know? <laughs> and I would honestly say, and probably only I can probably only think of three three people who have some a couple of them aren't even in the industry anymore. Only three people that I'd actually trust and actually believe in in this industry, and uh, you're one of them. And uh, if anyone's watching this, Dan Dan is one of, one of the most loving, compassionate, understanding wise people that you could you could talk to in this industry uh, there is literally no need to, um, to 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 go and do like read lo- read loads of books about pickup or anything like that Dan you've got your you've got your brojo you know you created a nice bunch of guys you, you're on top you're on point with the with all the all the theory and stuff like that you you, you know what you're talking about so that's my I'll give you a little shout out as well because I don't think you know I, I just want to extend that extend that out to you because I think you do a great a great job so Mojo. <laughs> well, thank you, man. And uh, yeah, I mean, likewise, having you on the show is an absolute uh, treat for me. And I think that's a great way of putting it. You're one of the few people connected in any way to this industry that I would send someone to and feel safe that their psychology will be intact afterwards and that they'll be better people for the experience. And I just, 
I think one of the reasons you and I connect so well is because we do have that love uh, for all people. We had to heal our, our relationships with women and then we realized we love men too um, in that sort of way. And yeah, it's, it's, it's great to find somebody else who shares my view on, you know, just helping people actually enjoy their life and enjoy each other without all this fucking heartache all the time doesn't need to be happening, but is, uh, it's, well, fuck, it's a lifetime's worth of work um, to get through it, you know, and it's awesome. And enjoy yourself as well. Oh. And enjoy yourself. That's what it comes down to. You know, I want to just add, you know, learn how to enjoy yourself. And like you've like said before, I want to be single. Let's be single. Like, I want to spend time with myself. Like, there's something really sacred in that. And I don't mean, you know, watching TV, like, just, just to be with yourself and just, like, really enjoy who you are, not running away from yourself all the time. And, um, you know, if you do that, then I think that will help your relationship. That definitely will help your relationships with women. And so just one little thing for your audience here is just sit with yourself, even just just sit yourself 30 seconds and see what that's like, just to sit with yourself. Can you enjoy it or do you feel the need to run away from yourself? And that will tell you everything you need to know about your relationships with women. Fucking spot on. Couldn't have thought of a better way to end it. John, thank you so much yet again, bro. And hopefully uh, we'll have another conversation in the near future. Brojo is working on trying to uh, clarify what it means to be healthy and masculine. And I will be definitely bringing you on to give your perspective on that um, because it seems to be there's a clarification that's sorely needed in the world. Guys don't know what healthy masculine really means and I think people like yourself are going to give them some guidance towards that. So look forward to a future chat with you in the same vein along those lines. And uh, for now, thank you yet again for being on the show and to everyone listening. Write in, tell us what you thought of it. Go check out John Cooper's stuff. I highly and quite genuinely recommend it. And we'll look forward to seeing you again next time.